0: This episode of Good Chat is brought to you by Simmons Homes. Every day across Australia, it's tools up for Team Simmons because their people stand by their promise to start building your new home on time and on budget. So if you're ready to join the hundreds of Australians they're welcoming home each month, talk to Simmons, the great Australian builder. Now on with the show. Okay, today's guest is one of the Melbourne Football Club's greatest ever stars. Being one of just four players in the club's history to have led the goal-kicking in four or more seasons, this man entertained the Demons faithful with his genius goal sense and high-flying grabs. Off the field, he was and is just as talented, succeeding as a brilliant musician, model, and entertainer. He finished his AFL career with 228 games and 428 goals, but still continues to kick them post-footy, being a popular figure in the media world and a fantastic family man for his loved ones. It's my great pleasure to welcome Mr. Russell Robertson to the podcast. Welcome, Robert.
1: That's about the nicest welcome I've ever received. Thank you very much.
0: <laughs> no worries. mate.
1: What, what are you up to
0: today in your, in your yeah. car? You're back at work.
1: Yeah, look, I um, so we, we all did things differently through COVID. Yes. Um, I, uh, obviously all those things that you just reeled off there were the things that kept me busy for, for a long time. But, um, a mate of mine, when I, I you know, working in entertainment, that died. Uh, and, you know, a lot of friends of mine who were strictly entertainment, they've, they've found it really, really hard and it's been yeah. quite, quite a shame. But, um, uh, I was okay. You know, I decided that I might just take some time. And, uh, a mate of mine's a builder for Norwood. Yeah. Um, and he said, mate, I'm, you know, I'm battling, I need good help. Can not get off your ass and do something? And I was like, oh, all right. So
0: yeah. I started
1: working for him, just driving trucks for him because I've got a heavy, rigid licence. And,
0: yeah.
1: you know, by all intents and purposes, it gets me off the couch. Um, I met some really great guys. They're great to hang around with. And I take my dog everywhere I go. There there's, you, there's you go. What's what's
0: his, what's his name?
1: His name is Ringo.
0: Say it, Ringo.
1: He's a little border collie. Um, he's, a, he's a great dog. So he and I just load up in the truck, deliver all the deliveries, and, um, yeah, it's not too bad.
0: Is, that, is, that, oh. is he named after the drummer?
1: Yes, he is. My, uh, my partner is a massive Beatles fan, or well, her father was anyway. It's from London. So we named him after the drummer. Um, just thought that works, close to bingo. But, hey, look, I don't do this uh, much anymore. It's once mm. a week, twice a week, just as I need it. And, uh, yeah. unfortunately, yeah. this morning, they, I knew I was on with you guys, but they've called me. Oh, we need some help. We need to get You help, help. us <laughs> As I always do, I just try to help out.
0: That's right, you do, mate, and we appreciate it greatly. Hey, in in these podcasts, we open with an icebreaker, and it's thanks to SportsMate Mobile and the Footy Live app. My one for you is, and I'll tell you this why, because I, when I do my research, I go back on YouTube and watch highlights and that sort of thing, and yesterday I went down that rabbit hole. I was on for hours watching your highlights, mate. Does it piss you off that you never won Mark of the Year? Because it pisses me off.
1: (laughs) No, not one. Uh, it, it it certainly um, was part of my game, but um, I think a lot of people uh, misconstrue um, what what I was trying to do with the marks. And, and I'm not suggesting you are, but um, for me, being six foot, you know, it was a challenge to to get the ball. Um, and and look, you've got to have a few tricks. Um, I wasn't great at crumbing the ball. I wasn't a tackler. Um, Loose balls, okay, but uh, for me it was uh, decent hands and it was my father that identified that skill very early. And he could see me and he could sense my frustration when I was playing with mates and with you know, with local footy as a junior. And he'd say to me, mate, why don't you just jump into the sides of them and get a little bit of leverage over the top? And, and that made a lot of sense to me and we worked really hard on that. We used um, we spent hours and we had a, a bit of property down there in the yard uh, in Tasmania, a um, small town called Penguin. Um, you know, we spent hours and hours and hours working on the craft of using my body uh, to maneuver them out of the way and get a little bit of leverage. Mm-hmm. It was never about the height for me, it was more about the leverage. It just so happens sometimes you get some decent height. And uh, look, when you're playing next to Nita, who's the focal point, he's the one we're kicking to. You know, opportunity was my thing. If the Spilled out off there, I'd be there to hopefully kick a goal. But if it's sat up on his head, look out, meter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Hey, it wasn't just your mates that you you jumped into though. This is this is this is a great story. Your dad he got a four by two, your bike, and yep. a stocking, and chucked it in the backyard, and that's how you you uh, learn how to take your speckies.
1: Correct. So um, I attribute this, and my dad was. Um, Always very left field with his thinking, and uh, being a being a high school teacher and, and um, you know working MDT, tech and and woodwork and design, he always you know battled to get the kids' attention. Very artistic man, so he would always try to find ways to, to interest kids. And hmm. for me, he he um he, he designed his bloody contraption. Being a bit of an engineer at heart, he he got the four B two. He put the uh, inner tube of my bike a wheel, uh, you know, I had a 10-speed. He cut that in half, put one of mum's stockings, tied that to the end, and inside the stocking leg was a footy. Yeah. And it's kind of like that, and I've told this story a lot of times, and I tell it because I think it's a great learning tool for parents Hmm. of young ones who are trying their hardest to get their kids off maybe social media, to get them off their gadgets, to get them interested in something. You've got to think a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and I thought that was the greatest thing in the world, is this (laughs) footy footy that was just up in the air, hanging up in the air, inside the stocking. And he'd say to me, run up and grab it and bring it to the ground. Let it go. And it would just flop back up into the air, uh, bounce back up into the air. And it's there all the time. And I'd run up and I'd grab it and I'd try to mimic marks that I saw. Uh, on Highlights Reels I would call, you know, Jezza, who's my hero. Uh yeah. Kappa, Gary Abler, you know, all that sort of stuff. And um that was my days. And mates would come over, would wind it around a few times and jump up and bring the ball to the ground off the back. And we had so much fun. And, you know, you fast forward. A lot of years, and you make it into the AFL, and, it, and it's because of those miles I made into the AFL. But you know, when I find out kids are are, are saying in the schoolyard, Robert you know that <laughs> it's it, not as much as a because it's a jazz, you know, it's, it's the campus, But every now and then, the Melbourne supporters would be going, oh, Robo and that made me feel really special. That made me feel really good when I heard that.
0: Yeah, for sure. That your dad was obviously hugely influential in in your career and your footy, especially mum as well. I your your mum was a little bit tougher on you, I think I've heard. So, and and that's why you got you know you really related to maybe Neil Danaher a lot because he had the same sort of I oh, just get on with it, no one wants to hear you complain that sort of thing. Was she was she tougher on you? You've
1: done your research, mate. That's brilliant. Um, yes, mum was that. Uh, mum had a tough upbringing, um, harder than than most. in that her parents died at a, at a young age when she was. In her very um, influential years. So I think her um, mentality, her sort of her, her credo in life was, you know, nothing's really that bad. I mean, that's pretty bad. I and mean, if something like that happens to you, I'll, get, I'll give you sympathy, but you've got a blessed life and all the opportunity in the world, get on with it. If I fell over, get up. You know, if I complained about my three sisters giving me the absolute here it's, Oh well, you know, it was that attitude. Oh well, you know, what are you going to do about it? There's nothing you can do about it. And I, I kind of love that now as a as a father of my own and own brood and 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 I use it. And sometimes I think it's it's a little too hard on them, but it's the reality of life. Mum said to me one day, uh, I think it was after a local training session for um, a selection process to make it all the way down to the, the Tassie Mariners that were, were beginning, and Chris Fagan, Pr- Brisbane Lions coach, it was the man taking over the, the, the reins as the coach there. And, and I'd sort of performed really well, but I wasn't being given what I deserved in terms of, um, you know, opportunity. Mm-hmm. And mum said to me in the car, another, reso, uh, another resonation for me, it resonated so much, just like Dad with his left field training. Mum said to me, unfortunately, Ross, I think that if anything's going to happen for you, you're going to have to go and get it yourself. Mm-hmm. And and it's just strange how some things, some way, the, the way they put work. For me, I was like, yeah, it's true. You know, if I'm going to get anything, no one's just going to hand it to me. Whereas probably yeah. some people would think, oh, Robert, just, you know, it was all handed a putter." No, it bloody wasn't. Mm-hmm. I had to work so hard. And then I've watched a few games over the years uh, of our games. And being an opportunist in the forward line there with big David Needs Schwartz, you know, Gary Early Days and Jeff Farmer, I wasn't kicked to uh, very often. And if I was, I had to position myself really well. And, and, and you know, if it came to me, I had to fight tooth and nail to get the ball. Um and that, that's that's mum. That's mum for me. You know, now, now I'm saying Nita didn't have to work hard. Neddy had the best full back on him, the best full backs in the league. And he had to work really hard to get away from those guys. Um, so we all had our thing. Uh, for me, it was, yeah, it was definitely, you know, no one's going to get it for you. Travis Johnson's going to stuff it down your throat, mate. You're going to have to work really hard to get it. So thanks, mum.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. It's it's great to hear you talk about things that resonated with you and motivated you. I think everyone's a little bit different in that regard. What motivates them to get to the top? Another thing that motivated you though, was was some people maybe not believing in you. Now your dad's mate, I think it was a time you walked in and you told him that you'd made a you got a selection for it for a um, maybe it was a Tassie team or, or or a state team, and he was shocked that you got selected. And you kind of thought, well, stuff you? I'm I'm going to prove you wrong." And and that yeah. kind of resonated with you.
1: When I finished my footy career, um, I started working for Melbourne in the um, marketing department. I still do that, but I'm a, it's a, it's a work from home. They call me on which is a lot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I was working full time in the office. In yeah. Part of the um, the transition from salary full time to a contract role was they liked to look after their employees mm-hmm. by um, by uh, giving them some counselling. If you know, just just your you run of the mill counselling, nothing serious. Just yeah. here's some transition from work to um, not working counselling. If you'd like to take it, you, you can. And I'd never done any counselling before. Um, I'm going to walk as I go because it's really hot in this cabin of this truck, guys.
0: Yeah, so that's
1: get, bit, get the dog out of here as well, so we can have a pee if you need one. <laughs> um, <laughs> Perfect. Um, I went along to this counselling session um, with a lady, and and we spoke over five sessions, and um, it, it really was brilliant. And I recommend it to anyone if you get the chance. Have a talk to somebody, get it all out, nut it all out. Um, yeah. If you need, uh, and some things that I, I sort of figured out for myself uh, over that journey, and, I, and I've gone away from the question here. you got to remind me of what, what we actually were trying to get to. What, what was the question again? Well,
0: it's about your, your motivation. You wanted to prove yes, your dad's yes, mate, right?
1: Dad's mate, yeah. yeah. So we, we we talked through all of this, jumping out of the car, through me. Um, <laughs> we talked through all of this stuff, and she came to me at the end, and she said, "You know, one of the uh, seminal pivotal moments of your childhood was that moment you spoke to me about your, your dad's mate, um, who said to me in the lounge room down there in Pang on a at Dad's house, Dad said to my uh, T's best mate, Hey, Russ, tell tell." We'll say Peter, he's not saying his name's not Peter. Yeah. Uh, tell, tell Peter what you've done. And yeah. I said, Well, I've made this, you know, Northwest team and um, I'm going down to Launceston on the weekend to play in the, mm. the state wars. He's like, What? <laughs> <laughs> How? You? Um, he just couldn't believe it because there were some handy footballers in the town, namely Justin Plapp, who went on to play for the Saints and the Tigers. Um, he didn't play very much, but. Um, he was he was a very good player as a junior and there were other kids in the town that were pretty good as well. But I don't I couldn't and I didn't know what to tell him. I'm sorry mate, I don't know what to tell you. I just they selected me. They've seen mm-hmm. something and they ended up being
0: right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah bloody Chris Lagan,
1: good, buddy. Chris Fagan and the crew they, they saw something that was there. And anyway, I remember looking at dad going, are you gonna say something to him dad? Yeah. But he didn't. He looked at me, and I think, again, Dad's just thought to himself, well, Russ, you know, they can think that if they want to, but it's in the doing. So yeah. what are you going to do about it? Rather than make, it, oh, come on, mate, you know, he's a good player. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I sort of just walked away from that. And I'm like, yeah, I'll shove right up your ass, mate. Yeah. And, uh, and I did. And it was after my career, years later. He uh, contacted me and he apologised.
0: Oh, really? He remembered apologize?
1: it too. He yeah. apologised. He said, um, you know, mate, I apologise. I never thought you would uh, do, but you, you really were a, a bloody good footballer. Yeah. And all I ever wanted, mate, with my football career, I didn't want all the strategies. I didn't want market of the years. I didn't want – I wanted premierships, number one. Mm-hmm. I wanted to break that drought. But number two, I just – personally, I wanted people to say he was – a good footy player, bloody good footy player. And and I think that I get that a bit. So um, yeah. yeah, I'm a bit blessed like that.
0: Yeah, what did that mean to you when he when he called you? what went, what went through oh. your head? We'll be back after a quick break.
1: in my life you know it was um it was tough to cop at the time and um and i've always thought of it and and, you know you, you bring it up in a uh counseling session it obviously did something to me and um to have him it's a resolution it's a it resolved something for me it was like well if i've proven the guy that um was probably the hardest had to change his mind and to prove to mm. and you know job job done tick dad looked at me in that moment and said well what are you gonna do about it and I did something about it.
0: Mm. Yeah you also did something about uh about the demons you, you helped them reach a few big uh big games and big moments. When you got drafted to the D's I think you said but were the demons the only ones interested you at, at the time?
1: Yeah. yeah absolutely they were um I'd actually played a couple of games in the reserves uh, yeah. the year before I got drafted or that year I got drafted. We were playing top-up players under-18 competition back then and Melbourne had a lot of injuries in around that time. You remember Gary Lyon and uh, a lot of guys, uh, Paul Primke, some really good players for the Melbourne Footy Club were were just getting knocked up. So there was a lot of guys in the reserves having to come through and play senior football undeservedly and we were called up. Um, I remember Jess Sinclair, who went to go and play for Fremantle in North Melbourne. He and I played two games uh, that year, and I was just trialling under-18 guys to see if they'd be any good. I think I performed okay in those games. I kicked a goal, and was one end down in Geelong. I remember Stephen Phoebe gave me an absolute bake for not handballing it to, me, to him. Felt like saying, mate, I don't handball anyway, so don't worry about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a shock to me to get drafted at all. I didn't go to the draft combine. Yeah. Uh,
0: well, you, draft you, you, um, you, you kept the shorts and the socks from those games didn't you? You thought, <laughs> oh, bloody hell, maybe I won't get drafted.
1: <laughs> the shorts and the socks. We played a game with them for the Mariners against, I think it might have been the Ballarat Rebels
0: yeah. on the MCG
1: in a quarterfinal or something like that. And Adam Goods played in that game and I kept the bloody... Yeah. Uh, the dirt from the boots. <laughs> <laughs> MCG, hello, Turf stuff. so you know. Yeah, I'm not sure I've got those shorts anymore, but I certainly had my first game jumper and quite a few after that as well.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, you played a, you played a few games after that. I tell you what, your first game though, I think it was in Perth, the wacker Now, you, but you found out your first game before you could tell anyone. Was it Damien Gasper who told you? He saw your name. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know a lot, mate. This is uh, yeah, um, Gassy. Uh, the 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 club prankster, club clown. Mm. He um he's great value, Perth boy. He um he had been wandering through the uh, Junction Oval uh, offices there, and uh, there was the team was usually you know mag on magnets up on a board there yeah. in our meeting room, and obviously the night before they they'd done team selection, and oh, I'd been on the rookie list all year. Mm. Um, got drafted, of course, but um. um Melbourne had so many injuries, they decided that they needed to draft some ready made senior players. So they dropped two or three of us back to a rookie list. I was one of those guys because I was one of the last picked up in the draft. And they recruited Shane Wyden. Yeah. Another guy, a fellow by the name of Lee Newton, who was a big bodied ruckman from the, uh, the Ovens and Murray League. Um, and we've got Nick Pesh, who'd played for the uh, Adelaide Crows. They were ready to go. They were a bit older than us. Um, and, yeah, I played the uh, the whole year and made my way onto the list. And my first game was against the West Coast Eagles. I played on Johnny fault mm. over in the West. Um, baptism of fire, I, was, I suppose. And uh, it, it was an amazing, amazing moment. It's I think every footy player you do an interview with, if you do, I'll tell you the first game yeah. is pretty special. Yeah. Um and I, I'd find, found out of training early because of Adrian Gasper he walked us and said, "You're playing." He Said, "Yeah, yeah, I'm playing this week, half road, you know, reserves." Yeah. He goes, "No, no, you're playing in the seniors. You're going to Perth. I saw it on the board." <laughs> I'm like, "What? What?" Obviously, the heart skipped the beat.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And then I didn't say anything or do anything more about it. And then as we're uh, as we're going into our first huddle at training out on the Junction Oval, Greg Hutchison, who had taken over from. Um, Taken over for, obviously, Neil Barm had been mm. given the sack uh, just before Neil came in. Yeah. He would take it over as senior coach, and I performed really well in the reserves. Like it was the, some of the best football I've ever played. Yeah, so I, I was deserved, but the opportunity was quite difficult given that uh, given that you had to come off the rookie list and someone had to retire. Mm. Dean Irving retired, um, who was a big ruckman as well. For us, he'd been injured all year, so they threw him off the list, threw me on. And, and Archie said, Robbo, he's playing his first game. And you get the clap and the pat on the head or whatever. And Archie said, but Robo, you're not allowed to tell anyone. Mm-hmm. We don't want the media to know, so go home tonight. Don't tell mum and dad. Now, can I tell you how hard that was? Yeah, I can to,
0: imagine.
1: So i not ring my mum and dad and say, I'm playing. You yeah. know? And it was in Perth, so they couldn't go. Um mm. uh, not that there was any COVID or sandstone walls or anything like that, up, but it was a bit <laughs> far for the first one. They said, come yeah. over for the second one at the G. Yeah. Pretty big moment.
0: Yeah. How'd, how'd they take it? I mean, they must be super proud. I think you said, if you, well, the 2000 grand final, you, your, your mum teared up before the game, but they were very emotional about um, you getting your first game and then even just, you know, being on TV, watching you. It must have been a great feeling for them.
1: Look, I'm sure they were. And uh, look, I don't know. Exactly, I've not been around my mum and dad since the age of 16, where I left home to go uh, live in Hobart to, to uh, play in the state. And, mm. uh, it's a three, three and a half hour, four or hour drive um, down from my hometown. To and doing that every week and missing training, they needed to relocate me. So I left home at the age of 16 and haven't been back. And um, I know the uh, reaction when I got drafted from dad. I don't know the reaction for the first game. Well, I, I was the one that told them, but I can't remember, Maybe It's just so long ago. And mm. I'm sure I rang them. And well, I can tell you some specifics, some things that I do remember. Um, firstly, I'll talk about getting drafted. That was um, uh, bizarre because nowadays, it's a big deal. They uh, put it on Fox Sports. We watch it and yep. Um, you know, there's a lot of recruitment stories in the papers and and, and guys come in with um, a lot of, uh, you know, backstory. Us guys back then, I mean, there was nothing. It was just like, how oh, who we get in the, in the draft, read it in the paper? <laughs> um, in Tassie, we didn't even get it on. There was no, it was never on TV. It was yeah. on the radio, maybe. But I couldn't even find it on the wireless, <laughs> you know. So I decided to just go to school. Yeah. So I thought I'd stay home and listen and just hope, you know. I'm sure I must have been just thinking, oh, God, it's a massive long shot. When you consider tens of thousands of boys nominated for the draft and only, what, 80-odd get picked up. Mm. Um, I, I went to school and I'd been sitting in the common room all day, basically. I remember sort of taking a day off in the common room. And someone came in and said, hey, you know, like four guys have been drafted from Tassie. I was like, oh, wow. And he goes, one of them's, and they're not you. I was like, "Oh, great!" He said. Yeah. <laughs> he said, but he went through their names, and they all deserve to get well, We usually only got one or two drafted out of test, not Four, yeah. So yeah. I resigned myself to the fact now that I have to move on to the next part of my life, whatever that was going to be. And that was okay, whatever. <laughs> um, it wasn't until eight o'clock that night. I think draft was done and dusted by midday. Eight o'clock that night, I'm I'm at a party. Eighteenth. In I don't know where Tasmania. We've driven a fair way to get there. was in the bush. Phone rings, and I've already had a couple of drinks. Uh, underage drinking. I don't recommend it. I was <laughs> seventeen, about to turn eighteen. And uh, the phone rings. Yeah. I'm sure, we all did. Phone rings, and it's uh, a teammate of mine who um, who was a Melbourne supporter, and he's yeah. just blown away. He's like, "What are you doing, this- Robbie?" So I said, oh, I'm just at uh, so-and-so's party. He goes, you, you don't know, do you? I said, don't know what. He said, you've been drafted, mate. You've been drafted to the Demons. I said, no, that's pretty cruel joke. You know yeah. I played for the de- Demons this year in the reserves. I'm just thinking in my head, he's thinking, oh, I played for the Ds. Yeah. Um, you know, shit house joke. Yeah. He, goes, he goes, no, mate, I'm telling you the truth pick number 68. Eight blokes had been drafted from Tassie. It was just an outrageous year for Tasmania. Yeah. So I hung up the phone real quick, and I'm talking kiddies, if you're watching this, I hung up the phone on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> on the wall. Yeah. You, might not, you might not know what that is, but uh, pulled off the phone and dialed mm. my home phone number in, in Penguin, Tasmania. And mum had just received a call from, I think it might have been Cameron Schwab, yeah. um, who was the CEO of I might have been CEO at the time, and she was obviously well emotional. Mm. And so I know the story that Dad, Mum, as soon as she she found out, Dad had stayed back at school to. And dad built all that furniture. He was always yeah. doing something at school to work on the house. Yeah. And he was working in the workshop, and Dad got a call. He uh, used to obviously come up to the to the front office. So I went out the front office, and he told me this is what he told me that he got on the phone from a and she told him, told him what had happened and he threw the phone across the room and <laughs> jumped up in the air. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that, that makes me, I can't tell you as an individual, as someone that's experiencing that, it's, that's a phenomenal feeling to know your father uh, felt that way because I have a, a young boy now and yeah. I watch him play basketball and he loves it and everything he does if it's a good move, it just makes you feel so damn special. So I can only imagine what it must have been like for
0: them. Mm. Yeah. You, you played a lot of big games during your career, Robbo. Was there one that stood out to you? I mean, you had your seven goals, Queen's birthday. I remember that one against the Pies. There was that seven goals against Geelong. Um, there were different moments throughout your career. Is there one that stands out to you, like a big performance or a moment that you remember? Yeah, look, there's a
1: few. Yeah. Um, and look, it all sort of piles into insignificance now, considering that we've just come off a premiership and that was what we were always trying to do. But if you mm-hmm. can consider that, you know, football's such a fickle thing and sport is such a fickle thing. You've got Max Gorn, who was a part of a team that was terrible for a long time. But we we associate him now as being this demigod because he's the captain of the premiership team. But mm-hmm. there were times where we were getting beaten by over a hundred points and he's out there and we're spitting on them. You know, so it, it was a really horrid time for 10 years from probably around about 2009, 10 onwards yeah. uh, until, you know, this uh, epic sort of um, push to get good people into the club starts with Peter Jackson, who gets Paul Ruse, who gets Simon Goodwin. And, you know, we yeah. recruit so well. So, um, um, our recruitment staff have just been amazing. Um, our, our development team has been amazing. Our uh, ability to keep them on the list and pay them the right amount amount of money has been amazing. And then, of course, culture has, has improved. Now, one might argue that, reading the paper over the last couple of days, but geez, it's just such a you know storm in a teacup, all of that sort of mm. stuff. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so I it actually made me sick reading all of that yesterday yeah. in the paper. Yeah. Well, we'll go into that later if you want to. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think the first game was special. I think there was a, a game where we played after Troy Broadbridge passed away. That was special against Essendon. We won that game. There was a game up in the Northern Territory. This is a good, great game for me for for a different reason. We it was, I think it might have been a pre-season game. Um, fun game. Back and forth. All the locals were there, you know, winning, losing, winning, losing. With about a minute to go, the storm came in. And you couldn't see the other end of the ground. I mean, it was tropical as. And um, I think I'd had a decent game that day. I was the captain of the team that day because me wasn't playing. Um, I'm at full forward. The ball comes out of the mist. I I think we're three points down. Makes its way all the way down the ground. Slippery as a bar of soap ball just kicked up into my ear and I'm thinking Jesus how am I going to mark this I think I might have been playing on Dale Morris landed perfectly on my my chest went back slotted the goal siren goes we go into an ice truck straight Mm. after that because it was stinking you know we're in we're in and we sang the song in this ice truck and you've never heard anything like it (laughs) we're jumping around in there the sound we're banging on the aluminium walls it was so loud But it was the best feeling. Winning Mm. was just the best feeling. So, you know, any of those years where we were good, um, it it was special. The game against Carlton uh, to go into a a preliminary final where Greeny and Brucey played so well in the last quarter. Uh, The game against Geelong, as you mentioned, was probably my best game. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as, well, maybe not my best game, but as far as um, I always say this, I averaged five goals when Nita wasn't there. (laughs) <laughs> and then it came back and I shipped out of the half-fourth blank again and I was out of full forward that game and then kick seven and I was out of full forward the game against Collingwood, kick seven, but I didn't get many opportunities, unfortunately, because I'm too small. So those couple of games were, were special, but only now because people talk about them all the time, but every single moment playing for the Melbourne Football Club, every single time you ran out on the ground, every single time you took a big mark on the forward line, a kicked a goal that made the crowd go crazy, that, that's, that's
0: what I remember. Did you enjoy game day, Robo? Because I speak to a lot of players who say they they don't actually enjoy it because there's so much anxiety, there's so much pressure. They enjoy being around the boys during the week, but game day is not their favorite day of the week. What was it like for you?
1: I agree with that, hundred yeah. percent. It's stressful, and um, you think, well, what are you, what are you worried about? You're playing on the MCG, you're lucky, you know, them left leg to be able to do that. But yes, that that's obviously fantastic. Um, but but um you know, the pressure that you put on yourself, the pressure from the fans, the media, you know, the Herald Sun's going to be riding here in the next day, and if you become someone that's um, decent, you're in the gut. So if Nita doesn't keep your goal, they land based him the next day. So the pressure to keep your goal uh, becomes just a little bit more. And if mm-hmm. being able to um, you know, segment, fragment, get that out of your mind becomes the challenge. I'd, I'd Drive to the MCG, and I remember clearly one day driving down Punt Road, seeing the MCG looming in the distance, the Nilex clock just going, This is what uh, this town lives for. It's the heartbeat right yeah. there. We're all headed here. And I couldn't think of anything worse. I didn't want to play. I wanted mm. to run. I wanted to go. And I turned to my wife and I said, I don't want to do this. And I was probably two or three years And She's like, What do you mean you don't want to do it? I said, I just don't want to do this today. I'm tired. Um, the pressure, the crap that I'm copying from people, the letters that you've written to me, and I uh, know it must be well, so much worse now for the for the guys with their social media. Mm. Of course, as soon as you get to the MC, you see the boys' faces, you realise we're all in this together, and then you just get into the battle of it, and it's fun. That's awesome. Of course, that that, but but there are moments where you just go, this, I just don't want to do this right now. So, <laughs> mm. strange, but that's the truth.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, bloody hell, it's interesting. A lot of people don't see that. They see, oh, it's a perfect life if you play AFL. How good is this? But it's so hard. I mean, now, like you said, with social media, the abuse you cop and the pressure you're under, it's, probably, it's hard to enjoy it. I mean, but when you look, is the, is the goal to kind of look back and go, bloody hell, those were good moments? Like in the, when you're in the moment, it's hard to enjoy them, surely, because of all the pressure.
1: Yeah, you always hear players say when they're interviewed during their career. Oh, that's a an honor that I'll look back on yeah. when I retire and enjoy an individual honor. Well, it's the same for every single part of your yeah. career because of that. Yeah, exactly like we just said, you know, the pressure of, of mm. friends, family, media, your your own pressure. Like I so demanding of myself and such high standards for myself. I wanted to be the best that I could be and perform so well. Um uh, for everybody. Um, that that's just it's sickening. And then when you finish, now I'm retired as I'm here with my dog and I'm driving a truck for Christ's sake, which no one gives a rat's ass about, you realize. And yeah, I, I look at the players that are playing right now and I'm quite hard on them as well, demanding of them because it's my team and I want them to do well. We all are. So and I was in that boat. So I'm glad not to be in that boat anymore, to be honest with you. Um yeah. I feel like you know. Had we had a few things go our way during our time, during the Jeff White, Adam Uze, David Neitz, you know, Shane Wawodens, you know, all the great names that you love of the Melbourne Football Club back then, we had a great team. Had Mm. some things go our way, we would have been that team, that premiership team. Mm.
0: I want to ask you about this this current team in in a second. But first, I'm really interested in post-footy the transition because – You know, like you said, during your career, you had a goal. Like, I want to win a flag. I want to do this. I want to do that. Once your career is finished, how do you you change that mentality? Like, what becomes the goal? You know, what becomes the ambition? How do you motivate yourself on a daily basis?
1: It's a really great question um, because something that I really battled with, I think that was – I went to the last best in Paris and and handed off my jumper to Liam Jara because of he was going to be the next premiership for forward, apparently. Well, that's what I was told in my, yeah. my uh, last meeting with the club when they gave the, the uh, Lemon and sauce. Um No disrespect to Liam Jara Things didn't go well for him. Um, it, yeah, I, I, you have to have things set up for you. Um, you need support. You need help. You need family. You need friends that understand and can guide. But you also need to submit to that uh, guidance and help. Um, I think there's an idea that, oh, well, I played AFL and I was this elite footballer for a long time, so I don't need you and I don't need anyone actually. You still need me. No, as soon as the jumpers take off, nobody needs you anymore. They don't. Um, And you've got to deal with that loss like it's a bit of mourning. It really is. It's a different way of life, especially if you've done it for 15 years. I did it for 13. You have to mourn that loss and then you have to work your way through with friends and family or, you know, um, psychiatrists psychiatrists and things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have to get over it. Uh, Get over yourself. Get over your ego and and uh, relent and get the help. Um, it doesn't have to be terrible it doesn't have to be oh wow you know I'm failing I need to go and have a massive um, I mean I need to go and see a psychiatrist cause I'm, and sit down and talk about how I'm no, it doesn't have to be like that at all it's just mm. constant conversations with friends and and, and transition into another life mm-hmm. I am fully well, obviously 15, one years now down sorry 12, 13 years down from my career I am fully immersed now in an ordinary life. I live in ordinary life. I am a, uh, I'm just a citizen now, and, um, and I'm more than happy with that because I've been able to accept that what I did, um, just like your beautiful words about my career, um, before we started, was enough. It was good enough, and more than anything I ever ex- expected to get. So... I, I'm very happy with that. I'm proud of all of it. And I feel like that, you know, it was good. Um, and I can be a little bit arrogant about it. And I say to my kids, yeah, I was good. I was a gun. you got a lot to live up to, boys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you were, mate. You were. Is, is, your, is your son going to transition to footy or you think he's going to take basketball all the way?
1: Uh, he'll get into footy soon. He's still um, 11. His age and you know, of course he can be fully loving his footy, which he doesn't. He, uh, yeah. He's probably had enough footy. He just loves basketball, and I get that because I love basketball too. Um, soon he will see that um, you know he's too short to be a dominant basketball player, um, but he also is quite a handy uh, footballer for his size. He's not big, but he, my God, he he reads the play, and he's got this ability to. Um, see things before they happen which I sit back and just go where the hell did that come from when I'm watching basketball and and with footy at this point being 11 too hard to tell whether mm. it's going to be good or not but I can see that he reads and he's watching it and he's positioning himself and he runs all day so yeah. uh, joy in my life now, absolute joy of my life um, to watch them and it's a real challenge too as a past professional sportsman this is a challenge being the father of um a kid who's coming through when to take over when to help and use this knowledge and use this understanding of how to get to the next level to be able to go no that's for a 25 year old uh he needs to be 11 right now stop stop telling him what you know that's so hard i'm Mm. really struggling with that at the moment but uh, it's a joy all the same
0: yeah, no, I can. Read. Did, did he goes for the D's obviously as well? Did you? How uh, did you watch the grand yes. final with him last year? What was that moment like?
1: Oh, awesome! Just yeah. awesome, jumping around the room. Um, he uh, he loves his D's, but he doesn't care too much. Like if they lose, he's like, "Oh well, they win. Mm-hmm. Nah, good, yeah, cool." i <laughs> will be like, sit down and watch the game and learn the game with me. No, nah, he's too busy doing other kiddies, <laughs> things like this. There's Lego over there. He'll do that. If there's basketball NBA on I sit down and watch it. He's like, oh yeah, Mm. it's good. It's great. He watches it for a bit. Wow. But you know what this generation's like now, mate? It's all about the TikTok. It's all about the quick videos that they see and they're clicking through and (laughs) he's still a baby, mate. He's still playing little fun apps on his iPad. So it'll get to that. Um, and he will be, uh, I think he'll be a footballer at some point.
0: Yeah. Well, what were the emotions like for you, Robbo, when you watched that grand final? It's obviously an extremely happy moment, and it's been a lot leading up to it. I can remember you speaking about Neil Danaher and the influence he had, and he made you guys. I mean, you didn't even have a home base. You know, you were training here, there, and everywhere, build up and you still nearly got to the pinnacle, and all the build-up now to the club that that it is. And and supporters can be proud of Melbourne. What were the emotions like for you? And is there a kind of sense like I'm so proud of them, but I would have loved. Them. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, spot on. It's exactly how it is. You know, we we fought so hard. We put the sweat of our uh, you know we put everything into winning a premiership. And a lot of the time it didn't go our way. And we can blame this, we can blame that. you mm. can say so we were the nomads of the AFL. We were training it. You know, on one given day, you're in Trinity Grammar in and uh, doing a footy session, and then you're down to the junction Oval to do your weights in St Kilda. And out to Sandringham to do a sprint session in the afternoon on an athletic track that they found out there that we could, we could use cheap. So, uh, you know, the, the, the fact that nobody wanted to come and play for us and they wanted to go and play for other people, mm. we weren't a destination club. Uh, now, we have to take some... Some uh, blame for that as well because obviously we didn't, you know, we weren't inviting enough. Uh, I, I feel like we had some really great players, uh, but you would only come to us if it meant you had an opportunity to actually play senior football, and that's not a reason to blame for us. You come to a club because you think they're going to win premierships and you think what you've got is going to, you know, be able to get them there. So. Not a destination club, um, paying 93% of the bloody salary cap. Neil Danaher is doing everything. Read his book and you'll realize mm. how much he was actually doing and what a basket case we were. And how much pressure our supporters, like our coterians and our, our higher end sort of um, money making uh, giving supporters, what they were doing to keep us afloat It's just bollocks, really. So mm. I don't know, North Melbourne was probably in the same boat, but. It made it terribly hard to win a premiership and timing's everything. And these guys have come in Some questioning. how do I feel about the guys now. And I'm just so, so relieved that we've got a premiership. We're relevant. Our club is respected. Um, I feel like it's all a rich tapestry uh, and it starts back as far back as, as, you know, the last premiership. You know, our story is our story it was tough years for 20 years when Brass came back and coached us you know through the the years where we were successful and the, the the heartache of Tim Steins and um you know some final series that didn't go our way some superstars like Flower and you know, Lion and Viney and these guys that you know even before that did and, and guys it's a rich tapestry of emotion hmm. um that you cannot quantify and you cannot um resolve in your mind. You just have to look at what's happening now and what's happened right now is a premiership and yeah. Max Gorn you know Stephen May Jake Lever Armsy, all those guys Oliver Petrarca they're, 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 they're gods now to us they will always be because they delivered something um, at the end of great misery. <laughs> They've given us great joy but I talk to supporters and they say to me, Robbo, we don't care. You didn't win a premiership. You hmm. were one of my favourite. I just loved watching you play. You're part of my childhood. Yep. You're part of my teenage years and influential years. So I look at the 80s and the electric 80s and the and the 90s. That's part of my – I get such a great feeling watching yeah. all that sort of stuff. So I guess that's what I give
0: too, to those people. Yeah, you definitely do. And to me as well. I mean, we used to shout <laughs> Robbo every time we went up for a market for <laughs> high school and everything like that. So we definitely awesome. – uh, part of my childhood mate i've got to end with 10 quick questions mate i know you've given me a lot of time i appreciate it we'll we'll rip through there. Right? number You're one right. your favorite food
1: i love mexican food
0: mexican.
1: <laughs> i love me i love having a nice burrito or yeah. i love having soft shell tacos with my son I'm, I'm all over mexican
0: food. quality i love it too uh your favorite musician of all time
1: brilliant um i am a big uh, Jeff Buckley fan. Uh, Jeff Buckley I, Yeah, I used to listen to him a lot, but as far as I've got older, my face has changed. Uh, unfortunately, there's only a small back catalogue for Jim, because he passed away too early. Um, my favourite band, Boy and Bear. Yeah. Um, great Australian band. So I'm a bit into pop music and... Uh, you know, easy listening sort of stuff So, um, but that said when I play music it's all about rock and roll mm. Aussie classics
0: Aussie classics I love it yeah. uh, your favourite TV show at the moment what are you watching
1: we're watching my wife and I watching uh, Animal Kingdom. Oh, yeah, that's um,
0: good. Quality show. So
1: good. Um, it's, we're getting towards the end of it now. Um, yep. We should have got through it years ago. Like, this mm. is the only... We started watching it at the start of the goddamn pandemic, but we've got three young boys who control everything that we watch. And yeah. as soon as they go to bed, we look at each other like, let's go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> So no, binge watching for us.
0: That's right. And looking to his quality, I love it too. Uh, if you could perform musically at any event or show in the world, what would it be?
1: Do you know what? I played at the MCG, and that was all I needed. It was yeah. in front of my people, my fans, our Melbourne Football Club. Yeah. I love that. So it sounded so huge. I'd love to play it out my while I was sitting in my music hall. Yeah. And just um, you know, I don't. I don't have my own songs that i am I'm not going to do that. That's not my thing. Mm-hmm. I've got my own songs, but no one's ever going to hear them. So that's my thing. So uh, being able to play covers and bar somewhere uh, to have people listen and appreciate—that's mm. all I need. That's all I want.
0: Love it. If you could coach any AFL side other than Melbourne, who would you pick?
1: Oh, Gold Coast Suns, eh? Gold okay. Coast. Uh, go nice some, weather. Um, body surfing.
0: Isn't
1: there? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, it'd be nice. Yeah, but my my favourite team other than Melbourne. Well, I mean, I was a Carlton supporter going Yeah, Uh um, the um, I wish I was a Melbourne supporter. I think I would probably go for Carlton just based on that.
0: Yep, no, good answer. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Where would you take your family to <laughs> you set up?
1: Well, I'm in Sorrento right now. Mm. This this is brilliant. Anywhere from from Bayside, anywhere from Bayside down, I think, you know, sorry, anywhere from Frankston South to Mount Eliza down,
0: yeah.
1: is just so good. We're so, I don't want to live anywhere else other than Melbourne. Melbourne's mm. the best. Melbourne yeah. is, and I'm a Tasmanian, I'm telling you, Melbourne is awesome. It's just the best place. And say what you want, uh, I think it's got the best balance of everything. We may not be the best at everything, certainly, our spot, but we we have the best balance of all of those things.
0: Well said. I agree. Uh, Your favourite movie of all time?
1: There's a movie that I uh, watch every time it's on, and it's not on very often. My favourite movie is called Antoine Fisher. I've never seen that. You probably wouldn't have heard. It's a true story. Uh, It's about a young uh, black naval officer and his uh, life... Uh, troubled life and, and it's just brilliant check it out Antoine um, Fisher
0: uh, you've been given the opportunity to host your own TV program any time slot you want any topic any co-hosts what do you decide to do Robbo
1: good question oh, and the question before uh, one of the main actors in Antoine Fisher Denzel Washington one oh, of the greatest actors I've got to check, of the it, oh,
0: sorry.
1: check that out yeah, yeah. check it out um, so I would love to do a kind of like a rock quiz um, oh yeah sort of set- Anything that involves music, but that sort of works in uh, a lot of different things. So, so it's kind of like your. Um, I have found that musicians have great have a great take on things. Mm. Uh, Aussie musicians, Australian musicians, even more um, specifically Melbourne musicians. I think they've um, had to suffer for a long time uh, through dealing with it there's the sport culture and there's also this great music culture so they've got a yeah. good blend of these. so having musos and, and footy players and sport people doing something together on a tv show for me would be just absolutely brilliant i'd love to host that i'd love to get these talented crazy crazy talented musos that we have in melbourne that you would not know or see you get a chance to see We've got such a big city obviously and they're kicking everywhere but i've seen so many of these i've played next to these guys and they are Phenomenal. So uh, I'd love to do a sport slash music sort of show. Something
0: Brilliant. Like I'd tune in. Let's pitch it. Let's pitch it. Yeah, absolutely. It. <laughs> uh, if you, second last one, if you could go back in time to any sporting event in the world, what, what would it be? Do you
1: know what I'd love to say? I'd love to have been one of the versus Chicago
0: Bulls oh, games. Oh, yeah.
1: Especially the one where the Detroit boys did the walk-off. The
0: yeah, end. didn't um, take their hands, just went off. Yeah. I'd love to do that. I think um,
1: I'd love to just bet uh, Chicago Bulls uh, championship. Not that I back for them. I'm a Dallas Maverick fan. But uh, uh, any Michael Jordan game would have been brilliant. And the only other one I would have gone to is my second favorite sporting... Sorry, my third favorite sporting <laughs> hero of all time is uh, Muhammad Ali. Yeah. My yeah. second favorite sports person...
0: Adam Gilchrist Adam Gilchrist
1: Superstar Adam Gilchrist is a friggin legend mm. in my eyes mm. and could do no wrong um I think it's, it's just I guess he's similar to me he was very heavily devil make yeah sort of when he was I love watching him play yeah uh, I um uh, I just think he had a great attitude towards it
0: all, and uh, he's, he's the best. Yeah, no, brilliant. I was a wiki keeper growing up as well, so I definitely idolised him as well. And there was that one, yeah. I think in 06 Ashes, when he just went bang. He just went nuts one afternoon, and it was just brilliant oh, to watch. He was just unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, um, best. Last one, Robbo, your favourite song of all time.
1: Favourite song of all time. Oh, jeez.
0: It's a tough one. I changed. got a tough
1: one there's a few so I'll give you a few because I think it, it, it
0: changes okay
1: um, so I, I love the golden oldies I love Aussie rock I love um folk kind of music as well I, I think um <laughs> one of my favourite songs was always um listen to the music Doobie Brothers mm. which is hilarious um I uh by um by Jeff Buckley um do you know one of my favourite songs of all time is um, Ross Wilson's... Uh, Ross Wilson's a super uh, phenomenal musician. That um, Dad, Obviously, Daddy Cool, but uh, what he's done after that is uh, that Cool World is one cool of the
0: world. great songs. It?
1: Cool what World.
0: Oh, Cool. World. Oh, okay, yep.
1: Great song. Cool. Uh, check it out. Uh, and then when I first found out that I'd been was playing my first game I had bugger all money because we were earning bugger all money at that time Yeah, and, um, I was living away from home so I churned through a lot of it I had pay for a lot of things that a lot of the guys that lived here didn't have to mm. <laughs> um, no living away from home allowance there uh, I found out I was playing my first game so I knew I was about to earn 1500 bucks for a senior game which was unheard of was amazing money <laughs> so I went straight to brushes or one of those bloody shops and yeah. bought an album of a Bought Pearl Jam ten.
0: Oh yeah, one of, the,
1: one of the greatest albums of all time. And any one of those songs on that album, I can just crank. And then my last game, uh, sorry, the last song I've listened to in the car on the MCG, um, just to fire me up, I listen mm. to Live I Alone, uh, off the Throwing Copper album, uh, 1996, I believe that album came out. Mm. Seminal album. Um, it says you got me talking music now all <laughs> day.
0: Oh, That's good. That's what I wanted. I've written them all down anyway. I knew asking your favourite song was going to be impossible. We ask a musician their favourite song, and <laughs> and we've got a whole yeah. lot of recommendations. Uh, Robert, I uh, I'll let you get back in the truck, mate. I can't thank you enough for uh, giving your time to us uh, this afternoon. You're one of the greatest ever players for Melbourne, and this has been one of my favourite chats of all time. To be honest, you're a legend, bloke. I love what you did on the field. I've loved what you've done uh, outside of it. One day we'll catch up for a beer, mate. It'll be great.
1: Thank you very much for your kind words, mate. You feel very special. And uh, yeah, go well, mate. We'll see you at the MCG. One day we'll go down and have a uh, a watered down beer in there
0: somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it will do, mate. Thanks, Eve, Robert. You're a legend. No worries. Right. See you, mate. Bye.